ushers and the other people who are serving. And of course, for the man of God as he delivers the message today, may each of us be touched in a very special way and not leave here the way that we came. We thank you, Lord, for all that we know you're going to do. And we will be here expecting. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's put our hands together for the worship team. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Uh-uh. Praise the Lord, praise the, praise the Lord. It's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. It's a good day to lift our hands. It's a good day to bless him. Hallelujah. It's a good day to honor the Lord. It's a good day to say, thank you, Jesus. We made it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, the Lord is good, and his mercies endure forever. Come on, can you tell your neighbor the Lord is good? Come on, tell another neighbor the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.
Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I I was sharing with the praise team on Friday that when I went um, to my father's 60th, it's amazing some of the songs that we sing. There was a song, you know, the story in the Bible about the ten lepers and the nine, right? And only one came back. So there's a song that they sing that where it says, where are the nine? Where are the nine? One man came to worship. Where are the nine? But when I thought about it, I was like, what happened to the nine? God did so much. And it caused me to really come into a spirit of thankfulness. Are we thankful this morning? Are we thankful this morning? Are we grateful this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to switch it up. We're going to do I command my hands because I want to use my entire being to give him praise. Is that all right? And the last time I checked, some of us were from the islands, all right? Okay. Oh, yes. Oh. Praise the Lord. 
this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are God alone. And beside you, there is none other. We bless you this morning. We bless you with the fruit of our lips this morning. We bless you, God, with our hearts this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Our hearts are grateful. Our hearts are grateful this morning. Hallelujah, because no one does it like you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You love us, God, in our state, God. And you rescue us. You're still good to us, God. You still show us mercy every day. You're still gracious every day, Father. Hallelujah. You still watch over us, God, as we drive on the highways and the byways. You still keep our children. You still keep our spouses. You still keep us in our right mind. You still keep putting on food on the table. Hallelujah. You still keep clothing us. Hallelujah. You still keep giving us joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My heart is thankful. My soul is thankful this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm thankful this morning. Thank you, Jesus. You are God alone. Before time began, you are on your throne, and you are God alone. And right now, in the good, yes, you are on your throne. You are, see, you are God alone. You are God alone from before time.
we're saying that God is unshakable. He's unchangeable. He's unstoppable. Remember something, remember I said sometimes we have to remember. It helps us as worshipers, right? To maximize our moments of worship, right? When we come into the house of the Lord and we come together, we come for one purpose. That is to worship. I want to share something with you. There's a very close friend of the family. Her name is Reverend Joyce Edwards, if you've ever heard of her. She is a renowned speaker in Trinidad. She's a friend of our family, and she spoke at my father's 60th. And she said something to me. She said something to the entire congregation, but it struck me. She said one of her spiritual daughters called her and said, Mom, God is awesome. She said, I know that, honey. She's like, you now know God is awesome? She was like, yes, but I know him in a fresh way now. So she was like, how so? She's a midwife. She said, we delivered. Now remember, we're talking about unshakable, unstoppable, right? Unchangeable. He's a God that watches over his word to perform it. Whatever he says, he's going to maintain it. She said, we delivered a baby today. The baby was born healthy, perfect, but his hand was like this. So they, you know, a couple of nurses got together and they started to pull his fingers apart. All the birth control pills his mother ever took were in his hand. What am I saying to you? Do you get what I'm saying to you? When God says it, when God says it, I do not know what he has said to you over your situation, but when God said it, he will stand by it. It might not be now, it might not be tomorrow, but it's coming. So ever since that moment, my faith has been lifted. I've gone to another level because the fact that a child could be born is already a miracle in itself, right? And for the child to be born with this stuff in his hand, it tells me that God doesn't play any games about his own. tells me that if he says a word over your life so that baby is going to grow up and his mama's going to tell him you weren't supposed to be here but God do we have any but God situations this morning whoa unchangeable unchangeable unshakable
word. We thank you for the words that you've spoken over our lives. We believe, God, who you say who you are. We believe that you are God of your word and you stand by your word. You are the word. God, we apply it this morning. God, we ask you for strength. We ask you for peace. We ask you for joy while we wait, God.
If you need peace, if you need joy, if you need strength, the altar is open. If you need it, come. If you need it, come. If you need it, come. If you need it now, you need to come. Oh, you are my peace. Peace like no Somebody need the Savior this morning. 
problems and your questions, do not miss this opportunity to go before him and speak to him. Now is the time. No need to carry. No need to carry it any longer. His arms are open. Those of you at your seats and at the altar, your expression of faith has already, already bared fruit. And you've come expecting from him. And since before time began, he has never failed. So take heart. Take heart in that. Heavenly Father, we come before you acknowledging that you are the great and awesome God. 
that before we knew you, you loved us and gave us your word so that we may live and live in abundance. You know the condition of each and every person here. You know their need. You know the desires of their heart. And as we come before you in faith, Lord, we ask, first of all, that you search each one of us. And if you find anything that is contrary to you, that would block us from receiving from you, we ask that you remove it, that you cleanse us, O oh Lord, from all unrighteousness, so that our, my, our prayer may go directly to your ears. For those, O oh Lord, who are coming before you before a physical need or touch, we ask, O oh Lord, that we know that you are the good God that heals. Mend their bodies, relieve their pain, give them wholeness and health. For those who come for you with a broken spirit, you are the great comforter. Renew in them and give them the wings. We know, Lord, that there is nothing that we are carrying. There's no trouble that we have that you cannot, cannot take care of. So we come again expecting. In our world today, Lord, we see so many, so many things that divide us. So many who seek to keep us apart from one another, but more importantly, apart from you. But we know, God, that if your people who are called by your name, hallelujah, come together in love and in unity, there is nothing that we cannot achieve. So we pray for that unity of body and spirit, oh God. We also pray, Lord, that we not succumb to the stress and the worry and the fear that's generated that we continue to hold on you and know that at every turn you are the Lord God and you reign. You are in control. Strengthen our faith, oh God. Renew our focus on you because we know if we give you the time and the effort that the rest of our lives will fall into place. You have great plans for us. Not of fear, but of hope. And we shall hold on to that. To our leaders, we ask that you give them wise counsel. That you remind them that they are here for your people and that they act in accordance with your plan because it is the only plan that promises life everlasting. Through the man of God today, Lord, may the word that he delivers truly touch us on a deep level and draw us closer to you 
and to your purpose for each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord, for being who you are. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you. And we thank you that you are always and will always be there. All of this because you sent your son and fulfilled the promise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Big hand for the worship team, please. It's always a good idea to go in the direction the Lord is leading you, and I'm so grateful that our sister is always sensitive to what he is saying, because it was obviously a need today. So it is my hope for each and every one of you that you received of him what you need today. At this time in the service, I'd like to acknowledge those of you who might be joining us for the very very first time, if you are a first-time guest at Living Word Open Bible, we'd like to acknowledge you. We're not going to ask you to say anything. We're not going to embarrass you. We just want you to stand so we can love on you today. So if you're here for the very first time, would you mind standing for a second so we can recognize you? First-time guest. Yes, welcome. See, look at all that love. <laughs> the ushers have a packet for you. In that packet, there is a card. Just capture some information. Um, we won't solicit anything from you. Just want to thank you for coming and joining us and let you know that you are always welcome back. Right. So once again, for our first-time guests. Is anyone joining us for the second or third time? You had such a wonderful time for your first time out. You said, well, i got to come back and get a little bit more of that wonderful spirit here living word. Second or third time guests, just slip up your hands and wave. Just want to give you a little something as well. Second or third? All right. Well, for those of you who've been faithfully coming and for our wonderful members, give yourself a round of applause. We're happy to have you here today. Okay, this time uh, we're going to, I'm going to get out of the way so we can listen to our breaking news. Good morning, church. I'm Brett. And I'm Danelle. Reporting to you live from LWOBC Studios with your breaking news. Our annual youth extravaganza will be May 7th at 7 p.m. Tickets will be sold outside after both services. Make sure you come out and support. So don't procrastinate, be great, and get your tickets before the date. The Women's Ministry is having a pre-Mother's Day Funship on the Saturday before Mother's Day, May 13th at 4 through 7 p.m. in the Original Sanctuary. Sign up now and join us ladies for a fun and uplifting afternoon. Additionally, the special Mother's Day service is on Sunday, May 14th at 8 and 11 o'clock services. Invite some mothers to enjoy Mother's Day in the Lord's presence. Also, a reminder for all youth and their parents, youth, be sure to come out to Overcomers on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m., Parents, be sure to bring them out. Don't miss out on the great discussions and lessons being taught. That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. And, and have, have a blessed day. Amen. Well, thank you from the studio. Well, we're going to just want to thank everybody 
who participated and was at the bank, the missions gala on Friday night. If you were there, can you say amen? We had a good time, didn't we? Um, those of you who didn't come, you missed out on a wonderful time. Uh, we get very positive reports all around about how wonderful a time it was. Everything went well to God to the glory. And we thank all of you who worked and selling tickets and ads and all those different things that you did. It made a big difference. And your presence there, of course, made the biggest difference of all. So thank you to all of you. So let's give every, to the next person a big hand for, for their participation. Amen. At that time, we had a couple of awards that we handed out, and we had a few people that were not there that were missing. And so I'm going to ask Brother Vernon and Sister uh, Smith to come as well. We did have some awards for them. And uh, I know it was her birthday that day, so maybe you know they were celebrating a probably different way. <laughs> but uh, so this is an award to Sister Patrice Smith for the ASAP Creativity Award for Inspiring Drama Ministry. Congratulations. Thank you. And then this is, this is uh, for Brother Vernon. It says it's the James Leadership Award for dedicated leadership in the Sunday Bible class. We appreciate all of you. Give them a big hand. Amen. Well, you know that uh, you have started 50 Days of Transformation. Some of you have started. Um, I'll be leading a group that's going to start this Wednesday uh, in Plantation. And so we are looking forward to that. We'll get some good news about what's happening in the 50 Days of Transformation small group. And they're meeting all different times and different days. The only thing you can't meet, we don't meet on days when we have church. Amen? So you know that. So we're not meeting on Tuesdays. We don't meet on Sundays, except that some people, they meet on Sunday. They meet on the Sundays when we're off, uh, which is the uh, second and fourth Sundays. And then those Friday night, we want to make sure third Friday night is prayer. And I want to talk a little bit about that um, because we really want to recognize and not lose the importance of prayer. And I want to start announcing about the third Friday night prayer from the today. And you're going to hear me talk about it every Sunday until it comes. Because last Friday night, I wasn't here. I had to be at another situation. And I heard that we couldn't make the circle even halfway. So we're going to, we're slipping. And uh, if you're slipping, it is my job as the shepherd to use the hook and pull you back. And if you're slipping too much, then I got to turn the other end and use the rod. So whichever one I got to use this morning, I need to use either the hook or the rod. It's going to be your choice, but we need to be here for prayer. Because prayer, as you notice, the one th the thing you see we have up on the front there, that every week you come and see up there, is what? Prayer. And then every time you're leaving, what do you see on the back wall? If, no, look on the back wall. Evangelism, because you're supposed to be now going out to what? Evangelize. So we put the evangelism on the back wall, so as you're going out, you're evangelizing. When you're coming in, we are focused on prayer. Amen? Because prayer changes things. And John Wesley made a very powerful statement years ago. He said, God, I want you to listen to this, because it's biblical, and I, he has, I, I can back it up with Scripture. He made it, and I can back it up with Scripture. God does nothing 
but in answer to prayer. Let me say that again. God does nothing but in answer to prayer. So whatever we want God to do in this church, we have to realize that we need to what? Pray. So I want you to mark your calendars and set aside. We, we're going to, we are going to re-emphasize. We're re-emphasizing the importance of prayer. And third Friday is our corporate time of prayer. I need all the leaders there. It's going to be a mandatory thing soon. Because if we're going to be a church where we're going to be focused on prayer, then our leaders need to be there to set the example. So leaders, I'm sending you a signal of right, right now. We need to be there. Third Friday prayer is a mandatory thing for us. We got to be there unless an emergency. This is getting important. I've got to tell you, we're not going to go anywhere without prayer. And if I have to turn a Sunday morning service into prayer meeting, I will do that sometime. Because prayer changes things. And if you want your life to change, we got to start praying, guys. And if we want the world to change, we have to start praying. And so prayer is not a light matter for me. It is very important. And you measure the spirituality of a church by its prayer meeting. Can you sink that in? Your spirituality is measured by your attendance to prayer. What importance you put in prayer. I don't care how much you shout and run around. So I want you to know how serious that is. That's very serious. We need to be in prayer. We're not going to get anywhere without prayer. I don't know if you have not come to it. But I got to tell you, I'm standing here, and I know 100% of every atom in me, every fiber in me, I know that we can do nothing without God. And he said that. He said, without me, you can do what? I, if you believe that, then you got to come to prayer. Because there is no, if you really believe that, you got to be at prayer. It must become a priority for us. We got to put off whatever else we got to do, unless it is an emergency, and we got to be in prayer. So you see how long a time I've spent the Sunday morning on it. And I'm doing this on the first, on, on the last Sunday of April, because I want to see us here on the third Friday night of prayer. We're not, we, you know, we, 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 that's, that's our corporate time. If it's one time, because we switched the time on Tuesdays for Awana, we don't get to pray on Tuesdays when we normally pray at 7 o'clock in the morning. So we've lost that. So we can't lose more. We need to be adding, not subtracting. So I want you to make it a priority. We're going to start measuring who we are spiritually by our attendance in prayer meetings. So I'm going to start keeping a track. I'm going to start counting, keeping number of people, who it is, because that's a priority for us. It's an important service. I got to tell you. The prayer meeting can become more important than the Sunday morning service. And if the prayer meeting doesn't become more important than the Sunday, if your prayer meeting isn't what it's supposed to be, your Sunday morning service will never be what it's supposed to be. And you've got to come to that understanding. So I want you to make sure, mark your calendar, and make prayer a priority. Shut down what you've got to shut down. Let's be here to pray on third Friday nights. Amen? All right, that was the rod for some of you. And every now and then, we got to pull that out. But that's my responsibility to do that. We have a National Day of Prayer service. <laughs> so this Thursday is a National Day of Prayer. You know, the country has designated the fourth Thursday in the month of May as the day to pray for the nation. Do you think we need to be praying for the nation? If you don't understand this, the North Korea situation, you don't have a clue what's going on in the world. Do you think we need to pray for the nation? We need to pray for the nation. Can I tell you? When the president said what he said, 
for him to say as much as he said publicly, you can imagine what's going on behind the scene. You must understand, they don't tell us, they don't want you to be getting nervous, you know. Never do the president want the country to get nervous and afraid. But when he says we can have a very serious, and he said it this way, we can have a very serious, serious situation with North Korea. That was no joke thing. We need to be in much prayer. Because if that guy goes rogue and start doing stuff, we have a nuclear war in our hands. So we need to be in much prayer. Don't go running around and, and bury your head in the sand. And so this Thursday at 7 p.m., we're having a National Day of Prayer, and that's going to be a primary focus. we got to pray for the nation. We need to pray for healing and pray for that. So I'm not going to take up any more time with that. Those are the announcements. You heard the breaking news. But I wanted to focus on prayer on those two things and to thank you for those of you who participated in the, in the missions gallop. For those of you that have ads that you need to get a magazine with your ads, we are preparing the letters. And so on Tuesday, you can begin to get your ad, your magazine that you will take to your sponsor. The magazine for your sponsor with a letter will be ready from Tuesday at Bible study time. So when you come on Tuesday, just make sure you get your letter with the uh, ad, uh, with a copy of the magazine. You get a copy of the magazine to take to your sponsor. And a thank you letter goes along with it as well. And then, of course, uh, Keswick is coming up. Uh, we have Keswick coming up in the month of May, right after Mother's Day, the week of Keswick. It's going to be right across at the Cooper City Church of God. Keswick is a, is a, a number of local churches that come together. Uh, the church is working together. We are all different denominations, and we are coming together to work together for the kingdom of God. And we have a special time to build up the believers. So it is that what, this is a time when the believers are built up. And so here it is. We are participating in that. And so it's going to be, you, you get, you'll get one of these on your, it's, if it's not in your program, it could be on the welcome table. And you can pick up one of these. But Keswick begins on Wednesday, May 17th at 7 p.m. over Cooper City Church of God is where it's being hosted with all the churches coming together. All right. So pick up one of these, and you'll get the information. Thank you. God bless you. We're going to invite Sister Susan Daniel. She's coming at this time to minister in song for us. Let's give her a big welcome. Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I just want to glorify the beautiful, wonderful name of Jesus. Now revealed in the 
beautiful name it is Nothing compares to this What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus You didn't want heaven without us So Jesus, you What a beautiful name it is. 
Thank you. Thank you, Sister Daniel. That was wonderful. And I know that you experienced yourself just saying the name. I'm telling you, just saying the name, nothing else behind it. There is just power that emanates from it. I've seen people literally cringe when you say it. Jesus. It is amazing. There's no other name that has that type of impact. Thousands of years, his name still has power like he was there yesterday. That is who we serve. At this time, we're continuing our worship with our tithes and our offering as I ask the ushers to come up. As we act in obedience to him, we know the blessings that he's promised us. So for those of you that you give, remember to cheerful giver. Brother Lee. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, to worship you and our giving, we just want to thank you, Lord, for the God that you are. You are Jehovah Jireh. And everything that we have, Lord, provided by you. You are the giver of gifts. You are the source of all our income, O oh Lord. So, Father, this morning, as we take this time now to give back to your portion of what you bless us with, we just ask that you touch our hearts, O oh Lord, so that we may give willingly and cheerfully according to your word, O oh Lord. And as we give, we pray, Lord, that you use it for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray.
are incredibly talented musicians. This time, I'll ask that you will join me in welcoming the man of God, again, our senior pastor, Reverend Carl Francis. Praise the Lord. God is good in all good times. Praise God. Welcome, Living Word, to 50 Days of Transformation. We began last week by talking about uh, the goals that we need to set and how important goal setting is. And everybody should have in your program with you a copy of the handout for this week. And you'll be getting one each week during the series, uh, 50 Days of Transformation, where we believe in God to transform our lives as we look to Him. And I heard Brother Forbes as he was praying, twice he talked about how to get closer to God. And that's exactly what we're talking about Today, that's exactly the, the theme, is how to get closer to God. And so, uh, this weekend, we're looking forward to really, we're coming behind you, as you'll notice. Some of you have started already, and so what's the purpose? What we're doing is this, is that um, it's the law of repetition, it's lasting learning. And so, you do it in your small groups. We're going to do it in the Bible study, and we're going to do it on Sunday morning. And so by the time we keep hearing it, it's going to sink in, and we'll begin to really begin to utilize it. And we're believing God that after those seven weeks, where we're going to talk about seven years of our lives, we will begin to see some transformation. Well, our theme verse is on the overhead. So let's read that verse together. All right, after two. One, two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right, so that's what it's all about. It's we are just what God wants for us is that we must be transformed. God wants us to be transformed. We're going to look at what that means. And he says the only way we're going to be transformed is by the renewing of our minds. Now, you've heard me say many times, the way you think determines the way you feel, and the way you feel determines the way you act. If you change something in your life that you don't like, you don't start with your actions. You don't even start with your feelings. You start with your thoughts. If you want to make a change in your life, in your actions, you have to begin with your thoughts. If you're acting depressed, and you, it's because you feel depressed. And the reason you feel depressed is because you're thinking in a depressed manner. You're having depressive thoughts. The key to transformation starts not in your actions, but in your, not in your behavior, not in your body. It doesn't start with your will. It starts with your thoughts. So that's so important. If you can change the way you think, that will change the way you feel. And if you change the way you feel, you will change the way you act. And so we're looking at that principle in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. It's going to be the key principle that we'll use as we look at your spiritual transformation 
physical transformation, mental transformation, emotional health, how that will be changed, financial, relational, and vocational. These are very important areas. So transformation changes us from emptiness to fullness. Transformation changes us from defeat and failure to faith and victory. Transformation changes us from insecurity and inferiority to courage and to boldness. It helps us become all that God wants us to be. What I want to say this morning, first of all, is we begin to look at our spiritual health, which is the first area. You always have to begin with the spiritual. Is that the farther away you and I get from God, the more trouble you're going to find in your life. The more trials, the more difficulties, the more stress, the more things are going to go wrong because you're not cooperating with God. You're not following God's plan for your life. And the Bible says the way of the unrighteous is rough. It's full of thorns. It's difficult. It's a rocky road. The further I get away from God, the more trouble I'm going to have in my life. Psalm 1 verse 6 gives us a clue. Here's what it says. For the Lord watches over all the plans and paths of godly men. He watches over that. But the paths of godless people lead to doom. On the other hand, the closer I get to God, the more my life is going to be transformed. And we see that in the scripture, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul finally met Christ face to face on the road to Damascus. Remember, Paul was a religious terrorist. He was a terrorist. He used to terrorize the church. He used to take them captive and try to imprison them and oppress them and punish them. That was Saul who became the Apostle Paul who wrote 14 books of the New Testament. God made a major transformation. And then there is Isaiah. Isaiah was transformed from being a depressed person into a courageous person when he met God, and when he got closer to God. <coughs> Excuse me. And then there's Moses. Moses got so close to God, the Bible says, that his face glow glowed. There was a change in him. Transformation appeared in his, uh, came in his appearance. People could not look at him for a while. We all want to be close to God. And if you didn't want to, I'm sure you wouldn't have been here this morning. But I know you're here because you want to be close to God. The problem, though, is that the Bible says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his what? Own way. In other words, like sheep, we tend to wander. You know, you don't have to teach sheep to drift off. Sheep just gradually, they just gradually wander. Naturally. By their very nature, they're kind of a wanderer. And you got to always bring them back. They walk up. A sheep will walk off a cliff. When God talks about us as sheep, he's trying to give us some idea of who we are. A sheep will come. And it will look down and it's 300 feet below and it doesn't even think about it and walk right off. That's why sheep need shepherd. And the Bible says we are sheep. We are the sheep of his pasture. We need a shepherd. 
Sheep aren't really bright animals, actually. They'll walk into den of wolves. All kinds of difficulties and dangerous situations. And I can see that because, I mean, you know, you, when, when, you've been around long enough and you teach people the scriptures and you see what the Bible says happens to you when you don't follow God's plan, and people still ignore it. Knowing what the Bible says, people still just ignore what the Bible says and do what they want to do. And you can see sometimes, you can see some trouble coming for somebody. You can see a situation where you know this is going to be trouble. And you may want to point it out to them, and they still don't want to yield. They want to do their own thing. And then when the trouble comes and really get in the mess, then they want to get help to get out of it. And so then, you know, how much does your sin cost me? Have you ever thought about that? How much somebody else's sin costs you? You know, somebody else's sin can put you into a lot of trouble. Can get you great lengths to do a lot of stuff because of their sins. And so it is that we need to recognize that we are really like sheep. We hear, we know it's trouble, we see it's going to happen. You know, a parent said to this young lady, you can't marry that young man. I don't, I don't think it's going to be good for you. And they insist on getting married. In fact, they run away and elope and get married. And you know what happened? The parents were right. The very things that they warned them about happened. And then she has to come back home and look for san a sanctuary. And you got to put her up and have mercy. And she comes back with two children. And then you got to learn to feed them. How much does your sin cost me? Why? Because people, even though in the face of danger, we are like sheep, we still will jump off the cliff. It's like we can't learn from other people's situation. We need to learn vicariously. Learning from other people's situation. No, no, no. Pastor, I want to see it for myself. And you're saying, that is going to be trouble. Oh, well, you know. And until they feel... It's like that little child that's trying to reach out to touch the stove. He's out to touch something. He say, that's hot. Don't touch it. And he's still trying to get his hand over there. And then, you know, they have to feel. Why we have to feel all the time before we really learn? We need to learn without having to feel. God doesn't want that for us. So we need to talk about how do we get close to God then? How do we stay close to God? And if you've fallen away from God, how do you get back? To that close relationship with God. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. As we look at transformation. How do I get back to God? If I've wandered away from Him. Some of you can remember the time when you were so close to God. You can remember when you first came to Christ. The fire that you had. The passion you had for God. And over time it has waned. And today you're not on fire as you normally was. Today you don't have that passion that you normally had. And you realize where you are today. Can I tell you? There is a pathway back to God. And we found that in a story in the Bible. It's found in Luke chapter 15. And you have it with your handout. If you look at it, I'm going to read what you have and you'll follow. It's that Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. The youngest son told his father, give me my share of your estate now. Instead of waiting until you die. So his father divided his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and left home 
to live in a distant land. He got as far away from his father as he could. There he squandered the gift he had been given and wasted his life and money and wild parties and reckless living. Above that, about that time, all his money ran out. A severe famine hit the land. And he began to starve because he was left with nothing. The only job he could find was feeding swine on the farm. He became so desperate and hungry that even the pig slop he was feeding the swine looked good to him. But no one would give him anything for his hunger. Finally, he came to his senses and he said to himself, this is crazy. At my father's home, even the lowest paid workers eat well. While I am far away dying of hunger, I'm going to return home to my father and humbly say, Father, I have sinned against both God and you. And I'm not worthy to be a part of this family or call your son. But please, just make me one of your servants who works for you. With that attitude, he headed back home to his father. But while the son was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran out to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against both God and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring me the finest robe in our house and put it on him. Then get my signet ring for his finger and shoes for his feet. Then roast the calf we have been fattening. We're going to celebrate with a feast of eating and drinking. For this child of mine who was distant and dead, but now he's back and alive. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. It's an incredible story. Fascinating story. And it's a story that teaches us not only about the son, but also about the father. It is a story that tells us that this kid who started off and said, I want my inheritance now. That's like saying, I can't wait until you die. I can't wait for you to die. I wish you were dead so I could get my, my inheritance now, but I'm not going to wait until you die. I need, what my, need my portion right now. That's a very horrible thing to say, wouldn't you think? And he says, I want to give, give it to me. Give me now. And it's, it's, a, it's a very self-centered life. And that's usually where we start. You're usually self-centered. Give me, God. God, give me this and give me that. and Give it to me now. I can't wait. And sometimes when we can't wait for things, we said, if I can't buy it in cash, I'm going to pay for it in credit. Why? Because I need it now. So he takes off and he leads this life and he goes off to the Las Vegas in Jerusalem. Where he wastes his money and his time and energy and wine, woman, and song. Particularly women, it tells us. And he really get messed up. And he's, uh, he's, it, trouble starts, you know. You know, when, when everything is going good, you have a lot of friends, you know. You know, they said, a friend indeed is a friend in need. That's the friend. When, you gotta, when you're in need, you, you, you're a real true friend. When you can have a friend who's still a friend when you're in need, that's a friend. But people have a lot of friends when they don't, when they have things are flowing. Well, here is he, he partied up. He had a lot of friends, a lot of people around him. He had a good thing. Money ran out. And he came, and then what? A recession came into the land. He became homeless. And nobody was giving him anything. 
He became a panhandler. A guy on the street begging for anything he could get. Probably had a sign up. We'll work for food. And he had the sign up and they, somebody saw him and picked him up and said, come with me. And they said, the only job I have for you is to feed my pigs. And that's a Jewish boy. And it's not very kosher for him to feed pigs. And so here it is. He's feeding pigs, which is the worst thing you could ever do for him. And then the Bible says he came to his senses. He wised up. Wait a minute. He says, the servants in my father's home is, they're, they're employed and they're eating better than I'm eating. And I'm supposed to be a son. What in the world am I doing here? But he says, you know what? I, the way I treated my father, I can't go back and just say, dad, I'm sorry. He just says, you know what? He says, I'm going to really go back and I'm going to say, Dad, I sinned against you. I don't deserve to be a son. Just make me one of your servants. And so from this story, we learn four ways that we need to get back to God. Four things we need to do so as to get back to God. And let's look to those as we, so let's ask the Lord to speak to us as we prepare to talk about those four ways. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that your words are life unto those that find them. And literal medicine unto our flesh. May you speak to us now, God. May we hear from you. And let no one leave the way they came, but the hearts be changed and transformed. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people says. Now, number one, the first way to, if you're going to get closer to God, if you're going to get back to God, and if you're going to need to really get close to God, whether you think you are close already, there is still a closer walk with Him. There's a song that says, just a closer walk with God. Just a closer walk. And if you want a closer walk, and if you think you're far away, here are the four things that are needed to get you back to that closer walk. Number one, you got to get fed up with your life. you got to get fed up with your life. That's the first thing. you got to get fed up with your life. You know, you got to get sick and tired of the way you're living and recognize, you know what, I'm not living the way I should be living. I'm living on the way I want to live. I'm not living the way God wants me to live. Some people are so stressed out. Some people are so depressed. Some people are overworked and so busy. Some people don't even like themselves at this point in time. Some people think nobody would like me. And then all kinds of things are happening. Why? Nothing is going to happen in your life over the next seven weeks that we're talking about unless you first are dissatisfied with where you are today. If you think you're satisfied where you are today, nothing is going to change for you. There will be no transformation. But if you realize and say, you know what? I would want something better than where I am right now. I want my life to be better than where I am right now. I'm not satisfied with where I am. I'm not satisfied with my relationship with God right now. That's what you need to start. That's where it starts. You need to start thinking, you know what? I am not satisfied. Are you tired of being stressed out? Are you tired of being frustrated most of the time? Tired of being overworked? Tired of being overwhelmed? Feeling distant from God? Tired of the rat race? 
And you got to get desperate. That's what is required. This young man got desperate. He got desperate. He got fed up with his life. He hit rock bottom. I was talking to somebody and I said, why do you have to wait till you hit rock bottom before you change? And some people, they have to wait till they hit rock bottom. This is what happened to this young man. He had to get to the point where he was feeding pigs that it suddenly dawned on him, wait a minute. Because sometimes we can, go, we can get settled and we can become comfortable in a rut. And we don't realize that we're in this rut and we're being uncomfortable. Somebody from the outside is looking in and seeing that, but we in the rut doesn't realize we're really in a rut. And I've been in this rut for a long time. And I need to get out of the rut. And this young man suddenly woke up and he realized he came to his senses. He came to his senses. And so the first way to get closer to God is to get dissatisfied with where you are today. If you don't, you know, and you may say, why? Because God loves you. And, you know, even though you're in that rut, God loves you. But you know what? He loves you too much to leave you in that way. What God wants to do is to get our attention. You know, when God wants to get our attention, he comes knocking on the door with some trials. You know, he starts in a simple way. A little thing starts happening. And then he doesn't see us respond. So he comes back with another little more, and he lets some more rain fall on us. And then when, when that doesn't happen, you know, when we, that, you know, it, it's, it, 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 he now comes with a storm. And, you know, and, and so it is that God starts out, he's always trying to get our attention. God is always pursuing you and I. You need to remember that. God is always pursuing you and I. And so some of the situations you're in right now this morning is God's trying to say to you, hey, you're drifting. I want to bring you back. I'm knocking on your door. And can I tell you, you don't want him to keep knocking on the door. Because after a point, what he's going to do is he's going to kick that door down. And you don't want that to happen in your life. You want to listen to what God's trying to say to you. And so warning signals is important. When you see that warning light in your car, and that light shows up and says you're, you need to change your oil, your oil is low. I've known people that ignore it, you know. They saw the red light. It says, your oil level is low. Add oil. They just says, you know, well, I'll just wait. And they keep putting it off, putting it off. And you know what happened? One day they're driving down the highway and the car just stopped. They just wrecked the transmission and wrecked the whole engine and caused the, And now it's going to cost, what was, going to, what was $1.75? Has become $575. That's what happens when they ignore it. You know, all you got to do is get one little quart to pour into the thing. And because people ignore it, you just need it to fill just, just, just a bottle of oil. And you can stop at the gas station and get that. And then you have your engine wrecked. It's going to cost you a lot of money to fix it. Your new engine isn't cheap. Right? Amen. I got my mechanic up front to testify. Your new engine isn't cheap. And so it is that we, when God's knocking on our door, we need to listen. God's, you know, here's something you and I get to go. Nothing happens in your life and my life without a cause or a reason. God doesn't waste time. God is not a time waster. He's not out there planning and just thinking, oh, let me see what I can bother this one today. No, 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 he's not about that. 
Anytime God is doing something in our lives, it is because he's trying to help us. Let me tell you something. God is always trying to find a way to make us better. And the only way he can get our attention sometimes, because we're so busy, wrapped up in ourselves and doing what we're doing, that he has to send a little rain. And when a little rain doesn't do it, he's got to send more rain. And when more rain do it, he sends a storm. And the winds start blowing and things start flying all over the place. And we start wondering, what's happening? So then we say, you know, time, I think I need to go pray. And that's when he gets your attention. But we don't have to wait for that. You don't need to wait for all of that to get closer to God. You know, there's an old phrase that says, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But they say you can salt his oats and make him thirsty. Did you know about that? Yeah, they salt the oat. You, you salt the oats for the, for the animal, and the animal gets thirsty. So, you know, he doesn't want to drink the water. So all you do is that the oats that he's going to eat, you make it salty. What do you think after you eat something very salty? You get thirsty. That's what God does to us, you see. He salts our oats sometimes. Because then we get thirsty for who? For him. We get thirsty for him. And we realize, you know what? I need God in my life. I need God in me. And so he may thirst, he may, get, he may salt your oats. And Jeremiah tells us, and so the first step in transformation is to get disgusted and, dis and discontent with where you are today. Jeremiah 29, 30 says, you'll find me when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. You see, so that's important. You've got to desire it. And you've got to want it more than anything else. God is not going to reveal himself to you in just a little casual way. He wants you to get really desperate for him. I got to get fed up with the way I'm living. So that's the first thing. The second step is what the young man did. Was that he owned up to my sin. He owned up to my sin. He owned up. He said, you know what? I have sinned. He comes to the father and says, father, I have sinned. So we first get fed up with where we are. And then second, we, we need to own up. Acknowledge the truth. I am not where I should be. When he came to his senses, the Bible says he woke up. And he says, to live without God, my friends, is not a good thing. To live without God doesn't make sense. You need God in your life. Can I tell you, everything good or whatever is happening in your life, God is in full control. You know, I was reading, as I was reading through the Bible, and I'm reading this story with Solomon. And um, God was going to punish Solomon for all his many wives that he had married because he had acted in disobedience to what God said. God told them, do not marry foreign women. Why? Because they will cause you to worship their gods. And they will lead you astray from me. Well, did Solomon obey that? No, he got 700 wives. What are you doing with 700 wives? One is so much trouble already. How do you manage 700? I'm sure he doesn't, you know, when somebody comes to him and says, he says, who's that lady over there? They said, that's wife number 655. He doesn't know who they are. 700 wives plus 300 concubines. That's like wife number two, you know, level number two wife. Level number one wife and level number two wife. 
A thousand women this man had in his harem. And they led him astray. And the Bible says that they led him astray because of the... It says when he got old, his, his foreign wives led him astray to worship other gods. You know, all of a sudden, can I tell you, when Solomon came to the throne, God gave him peace. The Bible says, and God made him have peace. So when he was close to God, when he first dedicated a temple, when he first went into the temple that he built for God, and he dedicated it, and you should listen to his prayer. He was so close to God. God appeared to him, and God said to him, if you walk in obedience to me, if you follow my commands and my decrees, I'm going to establish your kingdom forever, and things are going to go well for you, and I'll give you peace. He not only gave him riches and honor and all those things, he also gave him peace. And Solomon had peace in the early part of his reign. But then he started marrying these women. He's marrying these women. And, and these foreign women have their, have their gods. And, and they would cry to him like Delilah, you don't love me. And so he has, to, he has to, in order to demonstrate his love for them, he has to build their temple and build a thing for them to worship their gods. And then they said, you got to come with me. So he's off, tricking off with them, going off to them to worship their God with this one, and then worship tomorrow with another one, and worship with another one. And this got God angry. Because you got to remember, brethren, the first commandment is what? Thou shalt have no other gods beside before me. None. And so he had to, Solomon did, did that, and because of that, the Bible says God get angry at him. You know what God started doing? God, the Bible says, and God began to raise up adversaries against Solomon. There was one guy that was all the way in Egypt that David had conquered his father's kingdom and he had escaped and he went to Egypt and all the way in Egypt God's spirit starts stirring the man and the man goes to the king that he was with and says, I need to go back home. And the man says, but you've been with me all these years. Why do you want to leave me? He says, I know, but I still want to go back home. When God wants to do something, and he stirred up that guy and brought him back to Jerusalem, and that guy started to be a thorn in the flesh to Solomon. you got to understand, brethren. I want you, 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 don't, you don't get anything else this morning. Listen to this. Nothing that is happening in your life is without God's approval. I don't care how it looks. We may not understand why he's doing it or why he's allowing it, but it is for a reason. You understand? Everything happens because God is allowing it for a reason. Now, we don't understand some of the things. and We can't have an answer to them. But it is not happening where God is out of control. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't have any control over it. He doesn't have a proper solution to it. No, no, no. Every single thing that is in your life and my life is allowed by God for a reason. Painful things, pleasant things, whatever it is. He's doing it for a reason. Because he never loses control. When you begin to study the word of God, you begin to see it. That it is God who is in absolute control. Don't ever let anybody tell you that. 
It doesn't matter who comes to the throne. It is God in control. It doesn't matter whether you like the person or don't like the person. It's still God in control. And God allows things for his glory. He's working things out according to the counsel of his will, the Bible says. God is always working things out according to the counsel of his will. What you and I want to be sure of is that we line up with his will. That's why we need to ask the question, where am I today in my life? Am I closer to God or not? How close am I to God? And the first thing is I must get fed up with where I am. And the second thing, I must own up to my sin. I must own up. This young man owned up. You got to fess up. We own up. Isaiah 59 and verse 2 says, Your sins have separated from God and have hidden his face from you. Have you ever prayed and you feel like God is a million miles away? You prayed and felt like the, the, the prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? Prayed and feel like there's a veil between you and God? Can I tell you what's blocking that? The Bible says sin's blocking that. And we're praying and you're not, not going anywhere. Because the Bible says your sins have separated and he cannot hear you. He cannot hear you. It's folly to live in sin and to ask God. You know, some people living in sin and want God to bless their sin. God can't bless sin. God cannot bless sin. You must understand that. You're asking the wrong God. Jehovah God cannot bless sin. Sin is deadly. Hear what the Bible says about sin? The wages of sin, the payment of sin is what? Death. And it doesn't always mean physical death. Peace dies. Joy dies. Hope dies. Your plans die. All kinds of other things will die. But wherever there is sin, let me tell you something. Something is going to die. That's why you and I don't want to mess around with sin. That's why we need to get close to God. Does it mean that when I get close to God, I don't have issues? No, it means, but, but, but guess what? It is that, at that time, what God's doing is working to develop my character. You see, there is, there's, a, there's a difference. And, that's, and here's the problem. A lot of people don't know, they, they, can't, there's a, they can't figure which one it is. When God's kicking down the door, they're not sure whether it's kicking down the door to build their character. Is it kicking down the door because of their sin? The only way you're going to know is to not live in sin. When you walk right before God, when you try to do what is right, what happens when you fall or you sin? You don't see staying there. You get up and you ask forgiveness. And you get right with God again. And you move on. And you know that when you're walking and you're trying to live right to please God and he's knocking down those doors and he's kicking down those doors and the breeze is coming in and the storm is coming in and he's picking up things and swirling them around and things are flying in the air and you're ducking because of things in your life and you're wondering what's going on and you're saying, God! He's trying to get your attention. Not because he hates us but because he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. And if it's the only way, when you have your child, and your child is being wayward, and you want to be able to discipline that child so the child can do the right thing, do you be nice to him and say, Oh, you're so wonderful. I know you just, you just disobeyed me, and you came in 2 a.m. this morning. Oh, I'm so, you know... Uh, 
You say, if you come in after this time, the door is going to be locked. And when they come in and they come in the driveway, they are going to have to sleep in the car. Why are you doing that? Because you hate them? No. Because you love them and you want them to get you, that to understand you mean what you say. And you want them to change because you want them to develop a sense of responsibility. You want to develop a sense of, of, of understanding that there is a time for everything. And there's an order in life. And you can't just do anything because you are not in charge of this house. When you're in your own house, you can come in at 2 a.m. But when you're in this house, young lady... You get in before two. Otherwise, the door will be locked. And you ain't getting a key. Eh? You're not coming from school. So, the point is that we need to understand God's doing some things, right? Just stop for a moment and think of where you are in your life this morning. What's going on in your life? What's going on? It's him at work. Is he working because you're close to him? Or is he working because he wants to get your attention? Which one of them is it this morning? You're as close to God as you choose to be. You hear what James says? Draw near to God and he will what? Draw near to God. You cannot draw near to God and God doesn't respond. He says, I will always respond when you draw near to me. Always. That's a promise. You've got to get desperate. You want to be close to God? You want God to be close to you? I'm a friend of God. A student saw Socrates, who was so wise, and said to Socrates, I'd like to be as wise as you are. Socrates says, you want to be as wise as I am? He says, yes. I'll do anything to be as wise as you are. He says, come with me. He took him down to the ocean. He says, follow me. They began to walk out into the ocean. They got to the point where the water was up to their chest. Socrates took the student by the head and did this. And he's held him down in the water and he's fighting to get up and he's fighting to get up and he kept him and he came up. And as soon as he came up, he pushed him down again and he kept him and he held him and he's fighting to get up and he came up and he pushed him down again and the guy says, what are you doing there? He says, when you're as desperate for wisdom as you're as desperate for air, air will be as wise as I am. So we're not desperate. We're not desperate for God. So what does he do to get us desperate? He starts the storm in our lives. Because some people don't respond to rain. It's raining. 
and they said, I can pull up my umbrella. And we find a, a secondary thing in order to cover us up while it's raining. I may get a little wet. But when the wind comes and blows the umbrella away and break it up and you realize something is wrong and you get into your house and the wind comes and blows off the roof and the water is coming in and now the place is flooded, you get, you says, you know what? I need to go pray and call on God. Why wait until then? Because God's not doing it because he doesn't like you. He knows what's best for you and I. He wants the best for you and I. But we are sheep. And you know what? Sheep doesn't know what's good for them. Sheep doesn't know. The sheep will see the wolves out there and walk right down and watch a pack of wolves and just look at the wolves and walking right to the den of wolves and the wolves are just laughing and waiting for them to come. The shepherd has to run with his rod and, and, and when he sees us so close, when he's trying to pull the sheep back and the sheep is still going, he's got to turn it around and, and run and, and whack him to say, come back this way. We are not called sheep for nothing. Think of how we like to do our own thing. How we want to make decisions on our own. In spite of the fact that we hear, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. When do we come back to God with that? After we fail. When things don't go after we've tried what we want to do, how we want to do it, when we want to do it, then when that doesn't work, we come back to God and we said, Lord, you promised that in all your ways acknowledge you, so I'm going to acknowledge you now. But you know something about him? That's why God is only the only person like that. Because he's like the one in the story. So the young man... He, fed, he got fed up. He says, this doesn't make any sense. The way my life is going don't make any sense. There's got to be something better than this. So he, he fessed up. And then he says, he owned up to his sin. He says, you know what? I have sinned. I look at my life and I realize I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And then finally, he came to the third one. He offered up himself. He came to his father and says, Father, make me one of your servants. Make me, make me, change me. You know, he left saying, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. He came back saying, make me. It's a big change. When he was ready to leave, it was all about him. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. When he came back after he realized, transformation begins, my friends, when you and I begin to say to God, make me. Mold me, break me, fill me. That's when transformation begins. When I begin before God and I acknowledge my sin and said, God, I've blown it. I've made a mess. I've made some mistake. I've done some things. It's not right.
I've been in some situations recently where I have to be because of my responsibility outside the church dealing with believers and I can tell you sometimes believers dig their heels in in their sinful state they are so tough people do not like to own up to their sin you know you see God at work best when you say, I surrender God. I'm not pretending anymore. I'm not playing games anymore. I'm not letting everybody think that I am this wonderful person when I'm not. It doesn't matter. I know you know who I am. And I'm just going to be honest with you, God. And I'm just going to be telling you, I'm not living the way I should be living. I'm not doing the things I should be doing. I'm not saying the things I should be saying. I messed up God and I blew it. But I want to let you know that I need your help and I'm coming to you. I'm coming home and I want you to and be, make me God. Make me, make me, change me, mold me, break me, fill me. That's what we need today. You know, he's going to be like the father. The father didn't rub it in and says, you know, you were rude to me when you were leaving. You had no respect. No, no, no. The father didn't do that. See, that's what we human beings would do generally. But this father represented God. What does he do? He welcomed the young man in. He said, shh, shh, don't say anything more. Don't say anything more. He ran to him and hugged him and kissed him and he said, hey, Servant number one, get the pig. No, not the pig. Get the. I know. I want to listen to that. I want. I deliberately said that so you could think. Okay, go get the calf. Kill the fatted calf. I just want to check where you were. Kill the fatted calf. And then he said to him, "Bring the robe. Bring the best shoes. And then most of all, he said, bring my." signet ring. Do you know what that means, brethren? In those days and in those age, you, your signet ring was like your credit card. Anything you would put your ring in the wax and when you stamp it with anything, you're stamping it with your signature and your authority and your permission to do anything it says. That's like saying to him, he just blew all his money and he still says to him, given my unlimited American Express card. Can you imagine? That's the kind of father God is. And this morning he's saying, all I need you to do is to come. Just come. I want us to stand together this morning. We're going to sing this hymn that is in our hymnals, and I want us we sing it. If you recognize today that you need to be here, all to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. Number two eighty-seven in the hymnal for those in the in the in the in the technology booth. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. That's what it's all about. It's not trying to be pretentious. It's not trying to be 
something else. It's just being willing to say, God, I, I, I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be and I want to get there. And he's willing to bring you. He's willing to welcome you. He's willing to open his arms and kiss you and take out for you what you would. And it, it, the party began because the son that was lost has been found. He's coming home. Today you sense that need. You sense that recognition. As we sing it, will you come? All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Oh. To Jesus I surrender all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust in His presence. There. before we sing it, I think I need I'm going to follow what the Spirit says. Guess what? There isn't anybody out there that doesn't need to come. So when we start singing again, just leave your seat and let's come around the altar. Nobody is where they ought to be today. We all need to surrender afresh. Let's sing it please. Oh, 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 to Jesus I surrender humbly at His feet I bow. Worldly pleasures of take me, Jesus, take me, 
myself to thee. to you, God. And as we begin these 50 days of transformation, we want you to transform us spiritually. That our spiritual health will be what you want it to be, oh God. Help us to become all that you want us to be. So we've come this morning and we present ourselves afresh. Holy Spirit, receive us now. Make us, Savior, holy thine. Let us feel the Holy Spirit. Let us truly know that thou art mine. We surrender all, God. We let go of every pretense. We let go of everything that would hinder every blockage, everything that would prevent us from getting close to you. Any idols in our lives, we let them aside. We put them away today. Whatever is that we may have put before you. Because whatever comes before you is an idol. Whether it's our career or a marriage or a family or something. We release them today, God. We put them aside. And we are surrendering to you today. We present ourselves afresh. Lord, I ask you to look down upon living word as we made this commitment today. We as a people come before you. And with a new commitment, we say we surrender all. All 
to Jesus. All to Jesus. You are worthy and deserving of it. Freely we give today. Oh Lord, mark this day down, God. Write it down in your book. Where we made a fresh commitment today. And by your grace. And by your strength. And because of your strong love. You will keep us. You will lead us. You will guide us. You will teach us. And you will minister to us. Thank you for what you're doing today. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. I want to dismiss you right here at the altar. Just want to say to the first time guests, somebody will escort you from the welcome table to the hospitality suite. And those who invited you will go with you and take you where. But I want to dismiss you from here. I want you to just lift your hands as we pronounce the benediction. God, this is a new start, a fresh start. It's a fresh start for us as a congregation, God. We acknowledge this morning we own up. We fess up, God, that we're not where we ought to be. We own up to our wrongs. And now we offer up ourselves. Holy Spirit, let this be a sacred moment. A sacred moment before you. A sacred moment when you do something supernatural in our lives. When the Spirit of God works in a way that only He can. Oh God, we long to be closer to you. And today we draw near. And you've promised that you will draw near to us. We are like the prodigal son coming home. We're coming, God. And we've acknowledged that we have sinned against you. We acknowledge we've not done things the way you want us to do it. We acknowledge we have done things our way. But we offer up ourselves today afresh. As a living sacrifice. We present ourselves holy before you. We present all of us. So now, Heavenly Father, we ask for your blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you. And give you his peace as together we say. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever and ever. Amen. God bless your first time. Yes, you look at the back, you see Sister Bukal.